This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is bringing the mortgage approval process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Learn more at quickenloans.com fool. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined as always by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. Hi, bro. How are you doing? Just great, Allison. And how about you? I'm doing great. We kind of, our listeners wouldn't know this, but we kind of took a couple weeks off. And so it's actually been a while since I've sat across the table from you and had a nice conversation. Did you miss me? Uh, sure. <laughs> that, that is a an overwhelmingly mediocre response. That's all I'm going to say. Sorry, <laughs> you asked. I mean, it's, this is hard work making this sausage every week. It was nice to have a couple weeks off. It was. All right, but we missed. I missed our listeners. How about that? There I'll say you that. Go. Every single one he is. <laughs> every single one he is. All right. So on today's episode, millennials—they're the worst. Am I right? Maybe not. Maybe so. There are only about 50 bajillion surveys, studies, and articles about millennials every day offering conflicting advice. So today, we're going to look at five of the most prevailing opinions on millennials and see if they are actually true. We're also going to answer a couple questions about required minimum distributions and then have our very own Battle of the Generations. Dun dun dun! <laughs> All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. Time for Answers Answers. Required minimum distributions aren't a thrilling topic, but what if I sing it in an enthusiastic way? Oh, that would be great. Please do. Required minimum distributions. Yeah, get some. Did that help? (laughs) That was that's gonna be the highlight of the next five minutes of this show. (laughs) All right. We have a couple questions you want to tackle, yeah? Yeah. The first one comes from Rollo. My question has to do with traditional IRA, required minimum withdrawals. Do I have to convert to cash to make the withdrawal? Can I move my stocks directly to a Roth or another account? And then the second question comes from Linda. When you turn 70 and a half, do you need to withdraw all of the required amount at one time, or or can it be a monthly withdrawal? Does it apply to all IRAs individually or combined totals? Are there any clearly written instructions for this? Well, Allison, as you pointed out, this is not a thrilling topic, but it is important because not only do required minimum distributions uh, dictate when you have to take money out of your retirement accounts, they also relate to whether you can continue to put money in. It's actually kind of complicated, and each retirement account is different, so let's go through the roll call here. First of all, traditional IRAs. You have to start taking money out. At age seventy and a half. What? Why do? Like, take a step back. Why do I have to? I, basically, I think what Uncle Sam is saying is we have deferred the taxation on this account, but we don't want to defer it forever. We'd like you to take the money out so we can get our taxes at some point. Okay. I'm guessing that's why. Okay. Anyways, you have to take the money out even if you don't need it, and even if you're still working. And that also means even if you're still working, you can't contribute to a traditional IRA. Roth IRA is different. Don't need to take the money out, and even if you're 80, 85, 90, as long as you're still working, you can contribute to the Roth IRA. Retirement accounts from work, like a 401k, a little different. As long as you're working, you don't have to take the money out, whether it's a Roth or traditional. Once you stop, you have to start taking the money out, even if it's a Roth 401k. But you can bypass that by just transferring it over to a Roth IRA. Then you don't have to worry about the required minimum distributions. Ugh. It is confusing. It is confusing. 
And then there are the IRAs that you inherit. If you are the spouse of the person you inherited, you can basically make it your own IRA. If you are not the spouse, maybe you're a kid, grandkid, um, you actually have to start taking out required minimum distributions. Even if you're like five years old, you have to start taking the money out. So this is, doesn't just apply to people who are age 70 and a half. There are some uh, proposed rules of changing this so that in inherited IRAs, you have to take the money out within five years. But so far, right now, the rules are you only have to take a little bit out each year and then let the rest grow. Okay, so those are the rules of the different accounts. But uh, to answer some of these other questions, first of all, if you have multiple IRAs, you can take the required minimum distribution out of just one of the IRAs. If you have multiple retirement accounts, 401ks, you have to take it out from each individual account. However, it does not have to be in cash, and this is what Rolo was asking about. You can actually you can only put cash in a retirement account, but you can actually take stocks out of the account. It's called an in-kind distribution. Why would you want to do that? Well, maybe you don't need the money to invest it in a stock that you don't want to sell. So instead of taking the cash out, you just take out your Apple stock or whatever stock you own. You could, of course, just sell it and then buy it outside of it, but you save yourself a couple of commissions by doing it that way. You still have to pay taxes on it. Another question Rolla had was, can you take the required minimum distribution and just put it into a Roth? And the quick answer is no. That's considered a conversion, and a conversion does not satisfy the requirement of required minimum distribution. However, if you have a big old fat traditional IRA, and you know you're going to be paying big required minimum distributions, by starting to convert some of that money to Roth earlier, you'll be reducing your future required minimum distributions because that traditional account will be smaller. Uh, finally, you might be asking, where do you figure out your required minimum distribution? It's actually based on a factor based on your age. So, for example, if you are 70 and a half, and a half, such as Linda, as such as Linda, you go to this exciting IRS table, you take the value of your account from December 31st of the previous year, and you divide it by, if you're 70, 27.4. So you're taking out a little less than 4% of the account each year. And that number grows as you get older. So the IRS has a table all the way up until you're 115 or over. If you make it that far, your factor is 1.9. So you actually have to take out more than half of your account wow. <laughs> each year if you make it that far. Once you calculate the amount you have to withdraw, you can do it all at once, or you can spread it out over the course of the year, maybe monthly, but just make sure you have it all taken out by December 31st of that year. The good thing is, you probably don't have to look that up. If you have a good account provider, good brokerage, a good financial advisor, they will help you with this. They might even do it for you and then send you a letter in the mail. Just make sure that you do it, because if you don't, the penalty is 50% of the amount that you were supposed to take out. If you forget, you can file a waiver, send a nice letter to the IRS, they might give you a break one time. But you definitely have to do it. If you really want to read the nitty-gritty, you can find it all in the exciting IRS publication 590B. Ooh, 590B! Can you sing that? 590B! I don't know. That was good. That was good. Should I, should I do the whole IRS publication 590B? Oh, yeah. Is that good? <laughs> We're going to make this fun. Damn it. If I there had to pull this show over, I will do that. All right. Thanks, bro. That was that was thrilling. That was rough. I mean, there's just a lot. There's a lot there. So. A lot to unpack. Yeah. Well, it, it demonstrates how complicated it is. 
So you definitely have to learn a little bit more. But the penalty is steep. There are very few IRS penalties that are 50% of something. So definitely make sure you know what you're doing. This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is a hassle-free, completely online way to get a mortgage or even refinance. With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. If you type Millennials R into Google, it auto-completes with lazy, really? idiots, <laughs> not lazy, and screwed. It may be different for you, but that's how Google completes it for me. So, regardless of what millennials are, they are undeniably the largest living generation, according to the Census Bureau. So, millennials are those aged 18 to 34, and there are 75.4 million of them in this country. That's a lot. They just surpassed the boomers, who are aged 51 to 69, and uh, boomers, there's about about 75 million of them in the country. Gotcha. I could tell you uh, about Gen Xers and how many there are, but nobody cares. <laughs> Speaking as of as three Gen Xers, by the way. Yeah, no one no one cares about no one Gen cares Xers. About That's us. fine. But today we're going to look at some of the commonly held beliefs about millennials and see if they really are the special snowflakes of lazy entitlement everyone says they are. <laughs> Let's dive into the commonly held belief that millennials are entitled narcissists. Is it true? Well, you maybe have seen there's a Sunday Night Live skit where um, it was a millennial girl who goes into her boss's office and she's like, "Um, I need a raise. I need a promotion." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I oh, okay. I'm sorry. How long have you been working here?" And she's like, "I've been working here for three full days. I need a promotion." <laughs> Incidentally, my millennial accent is the same as if I was doing a Valley Girl accent. I was just going to say, that feels an awful lot like the 80s. It's nice to think. It's it's very similar. Yeah. There's a lot of research out there, and the prevailing idea is that millennials are entitled and narcissistic, and they start at a job, and they expect a promotion immediately, and need constant praise, and all of that. However... Let's go see what Harvard Business Review has to say about this. Uh, A group of researchers from George Washington University and the Department of Defense uh, okay. <laughs> analyzed more than 20 published and unpublished studies looking at generational differences, mostly in the workplace. And they found that they don't really exist and that the small differences in the workplace are likely attributed to factors such as the stage of life more than their unique generation. So... In other words, all young people are slightly self-absorbed. Slightly? I would maybe take out slightly. But yeah, the, the idea, um, as Elspeth Reeve wrote in The Atlantic, it's not that people born after 1980 are narcissists, it's that young people are narcissists, and that they get over themselves as they get older. When you read through all this, did you come across any theory why millennials have this reputation, or is it just that 
when we were younger, when we Gen Xers were this age, that's what the baby boomers were saying about us. It's what every generation says about the next generation. I think, like, if you think about when we were young Gen Xers, and I'm actually right on the cusp of being a millennial Gen Xer, um, that was the idea of Gen Xers, right? Like, we were all self-absorbed and so like moody and just like, right, yeah. Rick. I feel like you're Rick. I feel like you are more smack in the middle of Gen X as opposed to Bro and I. Maybe it's just me. But I remember being a lot less um, sure of myself. Yeah. As a Gen Xer kid, than most millennials I see today. Probably I just work with smarter people than I was then. Oh, well, there's that too. <laughs> I think I, I've I listened to the Cracked podcast, and they did a series on basically asking this question: Are people more narcissistic? They, I think they basically come to the conclusion that it, it's true. Um, but one of the reasons why people think it is is because of things like. Facebook and Instagram and things that we didn't have when we were younger, where it's basically all about, I'm just going to take a picture about of me and tell everyone what I'm doing every day. And it just feels very self-absorbed. Yeah. But I it's only, more accepted. It's and I totally can only fine. imagine what kind of goofy stuff I would have put on oh, Facebook when I was so a teenager. Glad it doesn't exist. <laughs> that it wasn't around back oh then. Oh my gosh. The Awful. cheesy stuff I would have said. Oh, oh so embarrassing. Oh, right. I don't think I was very narcissistic, but I'll have to check my diary to be sure. Hey! <laughs> All right. The next commonly held beliefs about millennials is that they are more purpose driven and want to make a difference in the world. See, this isn't a bad one. This is a good one. They want to go change the world and make it a better place, and they want their work to matter. That's very admirable. Is it, it is admirable. It's is not it true? a bad thing. Well, so it's not necessarily wrong, but the fact is, is that. Everybody is purpose-driven and wants to make a difference in the world. <laughs> it's not uniquely millennial. Uh, IBM's Institute for Business Value uh, released a report, and they found that uh, after surveying a ton of employees across 12 countries and six industries, they, sa- they found out that the same percentage of millennials, 25%, want to make a positive impact on their organization as Gen Xers and baby boomers. I, I, my favorite millennial, by the way, is my 24-year-old daughter, and I've certainly seen her have this, uh, I don't know if you call it growth or whatever, of being, I'm going to go out and save the world, and then you go out and get a job, and then you just have to become more practically minded. So I I would think this is also an age-related thing to a certain degree. I mean, once you get into the workforce, have a family, you just have to become more practical. Right. And how many of us, be honest, when we were in our 20s, thought for five seconds that we were going to go join the Peace Corps and go to another country and like make a difference in the world. I joined the teacher service score. I right? taught. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I have plans to one day do it again. So, but not at this point in my life. And you're not a millennial. And I'm not a millennial that I know of. All right, the next commonly held belief about millennials is that they job hop like crazy and they don't stay at the same workplace for very long at all. Which is it's a myth. I mean, oh. the myth of job hopping for millennials is just a myth, and it shows that today's young people are actually less professionally itinerant than previous generations. This comes from 538.com. Um, the idea, though, is again, is that when you're young, you're just naturally in jobs that you're not going to stick around at for very long, and you are going to be job hopping more. Some summers you're a lifeguard, and then maybe later on in the summer you're working at school, and later like you're you're doing all these different jobs because you're young, and that's what you do when you're young. You definitely hear more about it, like things like the gig economy and stuff like that, where mm-hmm. 
people are trying to not or it seems like they're not trying to have full-time jobs they're trying to piece together this sort of freelance life but i suppose it's been going on before this we just hear about it more yeah yeah well so the experts when they talk about this is that pursuing millennial specific employee engagement strategies are just a waste of time and an employer would be better served by just making their place better for everybody so um that's how you want to you want to retain millennials because everyone's writing articles about how do you keep your millennials. Well, just work hard to keep everybody. That's so interesting. Where do these things come from? Where do these myths come yeah. from? Yeah. Well, I think when you have, I mean, I, a lot of these, the moral of the story ends up being everybody was like this when they were in their twenties. Yeah. And so I don't know. Anyway, all right. Commonly held belief about millennials number four: your typical millennial is college educated and living in the city, but also somehow sleeping on their parents' couch. <laughs> <laughs> So, according though, however, to BLS data, most millennials didn't graduate from college and they aren't living in the city and generally actually also hate being called millennial, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, and also, uh, people in their 20s are far more often moving to the suburbs than to the cities in the other huh. direction. And so, why is this? Yeah. Why is there this perception? Um, and so, someone uh, in one of these articles I read put out the idea that, or at least the generally held belief, is that. Um, reporters who work for digital news media sites are predominantly millennials living in cities. Yeah. So they are predominantly reporting on themselves and the millennials that they see around them. So Ign- narcissistic. So narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> Which we would expect of someone in their 20s anyway, so fine, you get a pass. Um, so the idea is that uh, they are only reporting on what they see, and they're completely ignoring the fact that most of America lives in places like Omaha and in the suburbs, and not in LA, DC, New York City. All right, our fifth and final predominantly held belief about millennials is that they are bad with money. Or wait, maybe they're good with money. Because again, the surveys and studies on this are all over the place. So for example, a Goldman Sachs study said um, the headline of this study was, they don't trust the stock market. Millennials don't trust the stock market. But when you actually look at the numbers, you see that about 20% said, yeah, I do think it's the best way to save for the future. Another 45% said that, yeah, only in small amounts or only in low-risk investments. So that's actually a good amount of millennials who believe in the stock market. And when you look at overall surveys of people, of everybody, generally 52% of people said they aren't invested in the stock market. Huh. So, and this survey, this was Bankrate, the survey specifically mentioned, oh yeah, what about a 401k? And people were like, nope. So, when you compare the numbers, Millennials aren't necessarily that different from everybody else in the world when it comes to trusting the stock market, investing in the stock market. Um, they are also going to be younger, so they're not necessarily going to have as much money to invest in the right. stock market. But I think, um, I think the jury is still out on whether or not they are good or bad with the money. Apparently, uh, they save a lot. Well, and I think it's it's clear that the average millennial is graduating from college with a lot more debt than the average Gen X person did or the average baby right. boomer. So, to the extent that they are. Are not good money with money, or they're not investing in the stock market. I totally understand because they are starting their careers with a burden that a lot of us didn't have. Yeah, yeah. So one study found that millennials start saving and investing on average at the age of 23. When uh, compare that to Gen X, which is 26, and 32 percent for younger baby boomers. So wow, that's great. Yeah, that is not that's not too bad. But everyone's like, oh, they're horrible with money. Oh, they're great with money. Who knows? So those are five really commonly held beliefs about millennials. But here are some others that are headlines from stories that I read today. I just googled millennials, and this is what came up. Millennials are 
thinking too much about work, and that's making them miserable. Millennials are not wearing bras. I'm not either. Millennials are the worst generation. Millennials love home makeover shows. They are more racially diverse. They are not going to solve racism in the U.S. They are generation nice. They are the me generation. They make horrible money to mistakes. They are better with money than you. And my favorite from Forbes, millennials are doomed to face an existential crisis that will define the rest of their lives. Which I think is a very Gen X thing to say. <laughs> what, what's the crisis? Now I'm curious. I have to read this article. Yeah, I didn't even go past the headline. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not, that, that's clickbaity, and I'm not going to fall for it. You're not falling for it. You're nope. too good for that. All right, so those are millennials. What's the moral of the story? Do you want to hear the moral? I my would, moral? I would love to hear your moral. The moral of the story that I gained by digging through way too many studies about millennials is that they are way overanalyzed in the media, for one. <laughs> um, but all of these different surveys and studies that contradict each other or support each other, um, every last one of them is true, but also not true. Because there are 75 million millennials in this country. And yeah, they're dumb. But so were you. <laughs> and they do stupid <laughs> things. And they're narcissistic. And so did you when you were in your 20s. Um, and for now, millennials are the future. Until someday, they're going to be old enough to complain about the younger generation. <laughs> and the circle of life goes on. So, millennials. All right, we love you. We love you, millennials. Love you. We lo- and I'm not just saying that because, again, I am on the cusp of being a millennial. But you can tell the difference between me and a, and a true millennial. Let's finish with a quote, shall we? This is a quote from a famous person describing the younger generation. Children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love chatter in place of exercise. Children are now tyrants. They contradict their parents and tyrannize their teachers. And this quote was said by Socrates as attributed by Plato. So... As wow. You can see, <laughs> as you can see, older they, generations have been bitching about younger generations <laughs> since long, long before millennials were around. People try to put us to down. Just because we get around. We just finished talking a lot about millennials and how they aren't so different from everybody else. But which generation is truly the best? We decided to pit a boomer, a Gen Xer, and a millennial against each other in a game we're calling Battle of the Generations. <laughs> so creative. <laughs> so, we have today in the studio someone representing the baby boomer generation, and that is Rex. Hello. Rex, what do you do here at The Fool? I do a lot of things, mostly video articles, written articles. Things like that. And you are a baby boomer. Very, very tail end. Yeah, hit the tail end of the boom. And then we also have someone representing Generation X, and that is our own Robert Brokamp. Hi, I do a podcast here. <laughs> and that's then all. Finally, that's we have our representative of the millennial generation, and that's Alex, and it's the communications intern for the summer. <laughs> Yay! And Alex, you are a graduating senior, and you're heading off to wonderful things, right? Yes. UVA. Yay! Yay! UVA! All right. So this is how it's going to work. Before the show, each of you brought me three either lingo, slang, or things from your generation. How this is going to work is I'm going to say a phrase from one of the generations, and 
the other two people who are not of that generation will have to define it and then use it in a sentence. And then whoever <laughs> is right gets a point, and whoever is wrong loses a point to the person from that generation. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Okay. Indeed. Sure. All right. So the first phrase comes to us from the baby boomer generation, courtesy of Rex. So, bro and Alex, this will be for you to answer. And the first one is four on the floor. Do either of you think you know the meaning of that? Um, it, it's something you tell your dog to do when he's on the couch. Get off the couch. Put four on the floor. I like that. No. Alex, what's your best guess? I'm going to guess it's a dance move where you have your hands and your feet on the ground. And could you use that in a sentence, please? Rex looked (laughs) stupid doing his new dance move, four on the floor. (laughs) All right, Rex. Both are wrong. I can't. I started with the easiest one, I thought. What does no. four on the, I didn't know uh, it. I didn't know it either. I've what does four on the floor mean? It's a four-speed transmission uh, with on the the gear shift on the floor as opposed to the steering column or what have you. So it was oh, big God. in hot rods back in the day. Four on the floor. Back That's in the day. Back in CB back radio in day. days. Yeah. CB. <laughs> All right. The next one <laughs> comes to us from the Gen X generation, bro. This is yours, mm-hmm. and the word is. Kajagugu. Do either of you know what Kajagugu means? I, I think it's a dance move where bro puts his feet and hands on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't look stupid, let me just say. Yeah, you never look stupid doing that. Could you use that in a sentence, Rex? <laughs> Kajagugu, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you are wrong. Oh, you no, are, in fact, wrong. Yeah. Uh, Alex, could you try to define Kajagugu for us? <laughs> I'm going to go with a made-up term of one of Rex, I mean, Bro's <laughs> kids. Oh. So when he was feeding him, his kid would go, Kajagugu, and that's how you would know. Aww. Well, that's kind of close, but not really. It is the name of a band. Oh, that was not close. Same song, <laughs> Too Shy. But the reason it was close is they, they chose the name because it's the sound of, that a baby makes. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's, that's very close. Up. Do you yep, feel yep, like yep. giving her partial credit for that or no? Half point. Half I'll point. Give a half point. <laughs> I think that's good. We are on a roll. Okay, yep. that's not bad. All right. Too Shy, everyone remember that? Everyone that? I'm going to teach Chumba you later, Wamba, and then you have to sing it with that funny good. voice of yours. Okay. All right, next one comes from. Wait, 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 wait. Do that now. Wait, what are we? What's he gonna do? Teach the song and sing the funny voice. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay, ready? Yeah. Too shy to shy. That's all I know. Hush, hush, I do I. For those of you who cannot see us through the podcast, <laughs> you have to understand that Alex has this way of. How would you describe your technique there? Yeah, it's a hidden talent. I can't expose my secret. <laughs> She's making the noise with her hand. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, next one is from the millennial generation. Mm-mm. And the word is basic. Do either of you think you know <laughs> the meaning of the term basic? I don't think she's talking the program language or the training. <laughs> or the PH. Or the PH. <laughs> nice. Um, Who would like to go first? It's not a dance move. I don't know. I've it's, got no guess. It's the, uh, it is a new band uh, called Ace of Basic. Could you use that in a sentence? <laughs> um, no, I could not use that in a sentence. <laughs> Rex, what do you think basic means? Other than something that's just too obvious 
to comment on like oh that's too basic i have no idea okay all right uh you're both wrong <laughs> surprise <laughs> but alex what does it mean basic is when someone usually a girl sticks to their stereotype whether it be their like racial stereotype or just what someone assumes they would do and they're very unaware of it so, for example, if you see a girl wearing Uggs with her Starbucks coffee, <laughs> she is very basic. I like it. Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to start using that now. Uh, that's good. No, that's you are not allowed to start using it. <laughs> uh, okay. I like it. All right. So, after one round, we have uh, Generation Millennial has two and a half points, Baby Boomers has two points, and Bro has one and a half points. Oh, because they're negative points. Nobody got anything right, so I got half. A she point. got she a half got a, a point. That's I think she's ahead a half zero to zero, right? No, well, if, when you stump See, this other, this is this millennial math. What is this? <laughs> it's new math. You get points when you stump. You other get points when you stump hard. other people. Okay. Okay. All right. Now it's time for our next baby boomer one. The Tet Offensive. Anybody know? It was, it was during the Vietnam War, or was it the? It was. Did they go into? Was that when they went into Cambodia? I don't I know. give no clues. On the History it... Channel, I saw something about the Tet Offensive. That's my sentence. I think that is a correct <laughs> way to use it, yes. I think Alex might have a clue over here. She's ga- gaping. Yeah, she's looking like she's remembering no, something. I just feel bad. This was one of my um, APUS History flashcards last year, and I don't remember. <laughs> I gave him a shot then, huh? So my sentence is, I'm sorry, Miss Hudgens, I don't remember what the Tet Offensive is. <laughs> I think you were right, bro. It's something along the war. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I had I had to get something with the Vietnam War in for the baby boomer generation. Right. So this was the turning point in the war. Uh, it was um, North Vietnamese launched an offensive in the, during it's 1968, I think, and um, it just kind of shocked the country that they were able to be that well coordinated. And in the end, the U.S. and their allies wound up repelling it and winning it easily. But it just turned the tide to U.S. public opinion. And after that, the war was no longer tenable. Got it. Very interesting. Hmm. So close. <laughs> that do was get, a fun do one. I get partial Allison, credit? Allison was trying to talk me out of using that. It wasn't too fun. But no. You have to get no, the war in. No, it's not fun. Do you want partial credit? I think Bro deserves maybe a half he, a point. He knew the Vietnam War. We'll yeah, give so. him half a point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this hey, this math one. is getting rough. Okay. Next one comes to us from the Gen X generation with Bro, courtesy of Bro, and it is Voodoo Economics. Is this the same thing as the Invisible Hand? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I might get a half a credit Okay, on this all right, Rex, see I know, what you can do. I know it came about during one of the presidential campaigns, and it was probably uh, one of the Reagan campaigns where his opponent, let's say, I don't know, but he, he accused him of using just kind of made-up uh, economic theory that didn't really fit together and make sense. Yeah. Alex, do you have a guess? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But if I had to take a second guess, it would be that the idea that if you just leave the market by itself, somehow it will magically fix itself. Okay. All right. Well, Rex, you were actually very close. Okay. It was during uh, the campaign when Reagan was running in 1980. The person who used the term was George H.W. Bush because he was running against Reagan before he became his vice presidential candidate. 
Uh, and those of you who saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off may remember Ben Stein using that term, <laughs> voodoo economics. And the <laughs> irony of that is voodoo economics is often applied to supply-side economics. And that term was coined by Herbert Stein, the economist, and Ben Stein's father. Wow. Oh. That was the Beautiful. hidden joke of him using that term. Okay. And we all laughed, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> that is a reference to Herb Stein, isn't that? That is, that? Yeah, so it's <laughs> oh, We have yes. fun. All right, so next one comes courtesy of the millennial generation, and the word is extra. She keeps like using words. That, yeah. <laughs> the, I know. The, the word is the. They're changing, they're changing the language right in front of you. All right, who extra. Wants, who wants to go first? That's when you have five on the floor. I think that's what that means. <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend to know this one. I, I don't know. I am not aware of You're its, its newer use. Make up a, make I made up, up a, a couple of things. Um, so I would say then it's related to the drug ecstasy. Maybe it's when you take two. Okay. No, All that's right. good. Well, the correct answer is? <laughs> it's when you go above and, ab and beyond when you don't need to, a.k.a. doing the most. So, for example, if instead of going to one breakfast place, you went and got your breakfast from three different places <laughs> because you couldn't decide on one thing from one place, that would be extra. So, it's kind of... It's kind of what it means. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of what it means. <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> All right, last one from the baby boomer generation. It is, say goodnight, dick. <laughs> um, well... Um, I, I want to say it has something to do with Dick Cavett. I don't know. Or when you would have slumber parties with Richard Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> As we all did. As, As we all, all boomers did. did. Dick um, and Jane, the book. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah, read yep. I thought Bro would get this one. I actually did. Right, Thanks what? for your confidence. Why you? <laughs> <laughs> you weren't alive then. You're correct. You sure I was? So if we, you want to yeah, give, go me for it. Hint. Yeah. give me a hint. Have then. you heard of uh, Laugh-In? Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So that was the most popular show, late 60s, early 70s. Goldie Hawn was on. Oh, you got it, baby. And so that yep. was the sign-off. Uh, say goodnight, Dick. Good night, Dick. And that I that's think what Gracie I, and, George, and George Burns used to do, though, long before laughing. He would say, say good night, Gracie, and she would say, good night, Gracie. Maybe so. Yeah. He stole it. Oh, yeah. I was I was quite young when laughing was on. I don't think okay. my parents would let me watch it. So. Oh, it was probably back. pretty racy, huh? It was pretty <laughs> yeah, racy yeah. back then. The skirts were very short. It was yeah. the Saturday Night Live of its generation. Yeah, say, when you had four channels. And yeah, you when you <laughs> Bro had to watch Hee Haw instead, right? No, you, you, I that almost... is so funny. I watched a lot of Hee Haw because <laughs> my too. relatives from yeah. Ohio who lived on a farm would come visit us. Watched a lot of hee haw. <laughs> dang, lang, dang, 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 dang. And my, and my grandmother, and my grandma would then turn to Lawrence Welk. <laughs> she made another and she, she was, was gone. gone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next, we have the final one from Generation X, and the phrase is VJ. Did you know this one? one? Yeah. All right, all right. Wait, please Bro, define no, he has VJ. to go first since I know it. Remember, that was the rule. No, he's no, the no. one who came up oh, with it. Oh, okay. this is mine. Okay. All right, Alex, how about you go first, give it a stab, and then we'll see if Rex thinks he knows it. VJ. <laughs> um, Vance Joy. <laughs> Could you use that in a sentence? <laughs> when I was walking in the airport, I saw VJ. <laughs> 
All right, Rex, what do you think the answer is? Well, this is when music television came along, music videos. So before you had DJs, and now they were video DJs, and they were just kind of shortened to VJs. I want yeah. my MTV. And it was yeah. actually, for the, the term was first coined by a woman who worked at a club in New York, and then the founders of MTV went to the club, saw her that's where they got the term but yes that's what they apply the people who are playing videos on mtv back when mtv played videos wow yeah <laughs> remember I, those w- days maybe she was never uh, were you ever alive when mtv played videos music videos or has it always been like uh, what do they even show on mtv know. anymore teen mom, teen yeah, mom. Teen mom. <laughs> okay yes those are tjs pimp, pimp my ride was pretty good though or welcome mtv cribs okay. yeah let's check out what's in the fridge <laughs> <laughs> It was Rich the answer was food. always Cristal. That was the answer. <laughs> uh, okay, final one comes to us from the millennial generation, and the term is goat. She keeps using these real words. <laughs> you can't do that. Goat. Just define goat to the best of your ability. I'm gonna feel like it's an acronym, though. I can't come up with anything right now. Try. Go ahead and try. Uh, I don't have anything. <laughs> I'll just a wild stab at the way to get to somebody. I mean, to literally like to get your goats. I think I'm onto something with this acronym because I saw them brighten. So, what her come eyes? Up, I, no, I, yeah, I want to see you come up with an acronym for goat. Go <laughs> oh, for it. Maybe, off the top so of your head. maybe I'm wrong. Such a crazy idea. <laughs> All right, so I'll it. do the G. We'll alternate. I'll do the G. Girls only <laughs> ask texting. Okay. (laughs) All right, bro. You were close that it was an acronym. I'm not going to give you any points, but it means greatest of all time. Really? Yeah. I like that. (laughs) I'm going to use that one. People usually call me a goat, and I didn't know it was a compliment. Um. So I of course the old goat. The old goat. I of course did an awful time tallying up the score. So I win! Yay! I don't know. I think I have Bro with like six points, and I've got Alex with one, two, three, four, five, six and a half points, Ooh. and then I've got Rex with one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points. Mm, I think we need to call Arthur winner. Anderson to. Oh, he's been alive the longest, so. Either way, the millennial gets the trophy. <laughs> what? What is that? Is there a trophy? Go me. <laughs> oh, it's this whole thing about the gener- criticism oh, of the generation trophies. and how yeah. millennials always get a trophy. That's so, true. Oh, we Rick- do deserve them. <laughs> <laughs> I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us and letting me put you through this. Um, I had fun. I hope you guys had fun, it too. Great. It was fun. Yeah. And you know what? You guys are all... Goat. It was It was <laughs> goat. All right, Alex, do you want to play us out? What song? I don't know. Yeah, you got to give her a, a song. A good millennial song. What's a good millennial song? Oh, look at this going together. Oh. That's so funny. <laughs> right. Okay, bye-bye now. That's high-quality programming. Here's the living off that as long as you can Blending in with the crowd Oh, my generation My generation My generation Got a hope I die 
before again. Thanks to Alex Milliken, Rex Moore, and of course Robert Brokamp, who is too busy playing football in high school to remember any Gen X pop culture. That's true. Strike a pose, there's nothing to it. Oh, that's the show. Our email is answers at fool.com. Uh, I want to thank you guys for sending in postcards. We got about a dozen, I think, so far, but keep sending them in. Um, I love getting them. Every time I get them, the front desk um, woman squeals, and then I squeal, and we get excited, and we put them on a pole in the middle of the studio. It's very nice. It is nice. Have you taken a look at it? I have, yes. It's very heartwarming. It is. It's awesome. So uh, if you want to send us a postcard, I would love it, and I will squeal. Our in- Our email is... Our email, uh, our address our is... Our squeal mail. Our squeal. <laughs> our address is 2000 Duke Street, 4th floor, Alexandria, Virginia, 22314. Um, the show is edited moodily by Rick Engdahl. <laughs> you know, Gen Xers. <laughs> <laughs> For Robert Brookham, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Stay foolish, everybody.